I confess I didn't know what was going on in my public school system. Um, my kids go to Catholic schools. Um, my daughters go to a lovely uh, uh, middle school and high school called Ocrest, run by the Prelature of Opus Dei, we absolutely love. Um, and I just really didn't pay attention until uh, I heard on the radio that my school board had voted 11 to 1 to let boys into the girls' bathrooms. That got my attention. That got me to school board meetings. That's when I learned that right down the street, uh, a spiritual battle was ra uh, raging over the bodies and souls of the next generation. And the sexual left was winning. And the other side, my side, wasn't even on the battlefield. But I'm convinced, thanks be to God, that that is about to change. The first thing to know is that sex ed is not really about sex ed anymore. Um, CECUS, the Sexuality Information and Education Council of the United States, has recently rebranded itself after 50 years. You can see its new logo here at the bottom. The new brand is Sex Ed for Social Change. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means, according to CECUS, sex ed is a vehicle for racial justice. Sex ed is a vehicle for creating a generation of people who affirm each other's sexual identities. Sex ed is a way to, quote, shift the culture on LGBTQ equality, on white supremacy, and on reproductive justice, which is a euphemism, of course, for abortion. So today's sex ed is about politics and power. These powerful political groups are pushing what's called comprehensive sexuality education. What is that? It is an agenda-driven curriculum that sexualizes children and promotes the concept of sexual rights and radical sexual identities for children. Sex positive and anti-shaming are its watchwords. CECUS is the industry leader in sex education. Oops, let's see. I'm sorry, I think I'm off here. More on CECUS, more from CECUS. CECUS is the industry leader in sex education in America. And I say industry advisedly because sex ed is big business today with powerful international players. Here are some of them. Altogether, these groups raise about a billion dollars a year and have about a billion dollars in reserves. So why would so many powerful, wealthy, multinational organizations spend time on school lesson planning? Why are so many wealthy organizations doing this? Because of politics and power. Oh, thank you. Give me just one generation of youth and I will transform the whole world. They know this. So who is their power over? Over whom? Over the next generation, the children. Power against whom? Well, against the enemy the parents. CECUS sets the brand and Planned Parenthood delivers. Planned Parenthood has become the largest provider of sex education in the United States. It also aborts more unplanned babies than any other butcher in the world. Anybody see the irony here? Planned Parenthood's donors include the richest men in the world, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, George Soros, the Rockefeller family, and they have utterly transformed sex ed in America. In many, many, many school districts, including mine, they call sex ed 
Family life education. Family life education. Wow. That conjures up something beautiful, doesn't it? Do you think they're deliberately trying to deceive parents? I do too. 47% of families in my school system in Fairfax County are re recent immigrants. When those parents get the big stack of school papers at the beginning of the school year, if they happen to read the small print about family life education and then see the even smaller print about opting out of family life education, why ever would they? They love families. So most parents don't ever learn that family life education means their children will get lessons like this one from a Planned Parenthood sexpert. This particular video was shown to ninth grade girls in a rural district in Virginia without their parents' knowledge or consent. Um, in Fairfax County, one eighth grade sex ed lesson contains the phrase anal sex 18 times. No. It used to be 18 times, now it's 22 times. Because of course, eighth graders need to hear about anal sex 22 times in one lesson. These sweet parents won't know that their children are getting lessons like this one from Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood's um, sex ed education curriculum is called Get Real. Uh, in case you can't read this, Brittany's girlfriend wants to have oral sex with her. Her friends say that having oral sex will bring them closer together. But Brittany's mom thinks she should wait until she's older. Brittany is scared of hurting her girlfriend's feelings. What should she do? Notice in the upper uh, right-hand corner, this is a lesson for seventh graders. Now, parents won't ever learn that their precious children have been exposed and confronted by these things unless the child comes home and tells their parents after the fact when the damage is done. Now, some kids will tell their parents, but some won't. Some will be too embarrassed, mortified, or they won't want to be the only kid who's pulled out of these classes and stuck in the hallway like they've done something wrong. Have you heard of PrEP? I think one of our speakers mentioned it yesterday. Most parents haven't heard about PrEP either. Planned Parenthood just got a grant of nearly a million dollars to promote it. And two years ago, in my school district, the board voted unanimously to insert PrEP into our family life education. Pre-exposure pro prophylaxis is a daily sex pill to reduce the risk of acquiring HIV. Who was this daily sex pill created for? For men who have sex with men, who have multiple or anonymous sex partners, whose HIV status is unknown. So even among the LGBT crowd, this is controversial. Here's Michael Weinstein, founder and director of the AIDS Healthcare Foundation in New York City. He has called PrEP a party drug that will cause a public health catastrophe by triggering a dangerous increase in risky sex. And yet, the Fairfax County School Board voted to promote it to our high school students every year from ninth grade to 12th grade without asking their parents first. What about abstinence? Aren't they supposed to teach abstinence? Isn't this what parents think sex ed is about, largely? Well, yes, they are supposed to teach abstinence. And most states require by law that a sex ed curriculum includes abstinence, including my state of Virginia. But that doesn't mean the people drafting it or providing it are going to be honest about it. 
In Fairfax County, I attended one me several meetings of the Sex Ed Drafting Committee, and at one meeting, I observed a loud, obnoxious member of this committee uh, try to convince his uh, co-members to remove abstinence altogether. He was offended by the fact that we were trying to impose this value on students. And in fact, he had the votes to do it, to remove abstinence altogether. Until one uh, board member remembered, oh, it's required by state law, we have to leave it in. Um, so that it's in there. So how does uh, my county, Fairfax County, teach abstinence? Well, here's the summary for our eighth grade abstinence lessons. Here's what parents find if they do a little research into their family life education curriculum. They see that there is a lesson about, quote, the benefits of abstaining from sex until marriage, end quote. I underlined until marriage because the actual teacher script does not include the word marriage even once in the entire script. Here's the actual teacher script that you can find if you dig much deeper. But why would you dig deeper? Once you read that objective, you agree with it and you don't look further. But I dug deeper and here's what I found. Children will be taken through a decision-making model in order to make a personal decision about whether or not they will choose to practice sexual abstinence until what? Not until marriage until they're in a monogamous relationship. Again, I searched the entire lesson. The word marriage doesn't appear anywhere in the lesson. What is this lesson teaching eighth graders? Well, it's teaching them to make their own decision about saving sex until their next steady boyfriend or girlfriend. That ain't abstinence in any parent's opinion, right? Am I right? And they know it. The school knows it. But they figured out how to fool parents on this one because parents are the enemy. Two points about consent. After the Me Too movement exposed lots and lots and lots of sexual predators on the left, everyone likes to talk about consent. Now, the power players in the sex ed industry love to talk about consent. Consent education, that's all you hear today in this field. Consent ed education, what is that? Well, it's framed as a way for kids to resist committing or being a victim of sexual assault but it goes way, way beyond that. I have a couple of quotes from you for you. One industry leader says, quote, consent means moving beyond refusal skills to teach young people how to ask for consent for sex. Another industry leader says, quote, consent education respects young people's right to sexual agency and self-determination, end quote. The sex ed player, it occurred to me, these power, sex ed power players are using consent as a substitute for abstinence. Think about it. Before, don't have sex. Then, okay, you're gonna have sex anyway, so make sure it's safe sex. Wear a condom. And if you don't wear a condom, then make sure that you have access to abortion or maybe prep. But now, you really shouldn't, you really should have sex. Abstinence is offensive. Remember, but just make sure you get consent first. So consent is the new safe sex for kids. Consent is the ticket to shame-free, guilt-free sex. It's the highest moral imperative. It's the only moral imperative when it comes to sex and kids. 
Now, a second point about consent. The first people who sh whose consent should be sought is whom? Parents, right? Parents. Some adult man or woman, you're talking about this on, on the right in, whom you've never met wants to talk sex with your child. Something sort of creepy about that, isn't that right? That's not, that's, that doesn't sound right. It's a very delicate thing. It's a very sensitive thing. Now, maybe if it were a nurse who spent an hour talking about human development and reproduction in a very scientific way, that would be fine. But we have long ago left, the train has left the station on that, I can tell you. So today, instead of that, we have teachers pushing daily sex, sex pills on kids in case maybe they want to have multiple anonymous male sex partners. I don't know. So today, I don't know of a single school district that asks parents first before exposing their kids to explicit, explicit sexual material. Schools ask parents before taking their kids on a field trip to a museum, before enrolling their child in band camp or music lessons, but they don't ever ask parents first before enrolling their child in graphic, sexually explicit classes that could change their lives forever. In my school district of Fairfax County, there are 80 hours of sex ed lessons per child. Eight zero. So just what that means is, if a child goes through our public school system from first grade to 12th grade, he will have been bombarded with 80 hours of sex ed lessons. Just think about the mischief that they can do in 80 hours. Well, my school district, like most school districts, automatically enrolls every child in every one of those 80 classes without ever asking their parents first. Now, if they're challenged on this, the school board will say, well, there's an opt-out. Opt-out is catch us if you can. Opt-out is for all practical purposes meaningless. It puts the burden completely on the parents. Parents have to find out what's going on before they even consider opting out and schools don't make that easy. They call it family life after all and they produce deceitful summaries for parents and they bury the truth under these deceitful summaries like abstinence until marriage. So opt-out really is meaningless. It's catch us if you can. It provides leftist education bureaucrats with the perfect excuse, the perfect smokescreen. And then when most parents don't opt out for no fault of their own, then the school board gets to use that against parents too. Hey you, Christian bigot. Hey you extremist. Only 2% of families opted out last year. Why should we change what we're doing when 98% of families agree with what we're doing? I heard that at one school board meeting. You see how it works? I say that every parent should be sent in advance every copy of every lesson, every word of every lesson, every video, in advance, and have a written signature permission. There's no right to review. Right to review is meaningless. Do schools give parents the right to review the, the field trips we're gonna be taking your kids on without your permission? No, they don't. No, yeah. no, no, schools send parents very detailed permission slips in advance. Parents have to sign those forms in order for the child to go to the museum. No signature, no trip, right, right? That's what must happen with sex ed too, I argue. Every class, no signature, no lesson. But school districts don't want to provide this courtesy to parents, do they? They don't respect parents because parents are the enemy. 
Now, uh, at Family Research Council, last a couple of years ago, I drafted a universal opt-out letter, which is still available if anyone's interested. It's at frc.org slash opt-out. So this is a letter I researched, and I may have contacted some of you lawyers in the room here. I, I did a broad sweep of all my friends in the legal profession and tried to create the best letter we could, citing Pierce versus Society of Sisters, citing all the Supreme Court cases in the footnote, for parents to use and adapt, saying, I do not consent to my child participating in this, that, this, that. I do not consent to the participation in, in, in lessons, in classes, in, field, in um, assemblies, um, on all these various different issues. Um, and then saying that I intend to pursue all my legal, uh, all legal recourse if my um, demands are not met. Now, and I, encourage, and I encourage parents to send that letter in proactively every year at the beginning of the school year. Don't wait for their opt-out, ridiculous, you know, don't try to, no, you say, no, I, I, I do not, I withhold my consent for all of it every year so the child's records have that. Now, could this be challenged? Would, would, would we meet up possibly with a case that says, well, you really can't opt out of all of these things that you want to? I mean, I've even seen something recently about, I you know, I don't consent to my child being um, participating in any critical race theory classes. I love it. Do it. Do it. All of it. All of it. Anything you want. Because in our experience in Arl uh, the neighboring county, Arlington, when a few parents started sending these letters in, the school took notice, and there was talk. We had, a, we had a spy, we had a teacher inside the system who told us, oh yeah, they're telling us, oh no, stay in your lane, don't, we're getting these letters. So even if technically, legally, you can't demand that your child be um, uh, not exposed to everything that you want to list in that letter, do it, right? Do it anyway. Oh, one other thing real quick, I'm gonna run out of time. Um, last night, this, um, this mom sent to me um, the latest, what we call the annual sex survey. It's really called the annual youth survey, but my buddies and I call it the sex survey. And it's for all kids in my county. And this woman who I've become friends with, I've never met her, I don't even know her first name. Her first name initial starts with a J. So J sent me this, this a copy of the survey because she's in the system. Um, and it's the annual survey where kids are asked things like, how many times has your parent bullied, ridiculed, or teased you? I'm thinking Austin teases our daughters constantly. What if they were, like, constantly, daily he does this. You know, how many times have you sniffed glue or breathed the contents of an aerosol can to get high in the last three months? How old were you when you, when was, how old were you uh, the first time you had sex? And the choices are 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. How many people have you had sex? I just took these notes this morning. I couldn't print it out. I got it last night. How many people have you had sex with? A zero, one, two, three, four. The choices go up to six plus in the last three months. Hmm? Have you ever had oral sex, right? So, so, so this is really a point that leads me to my next point, which is school culture, okay? Even if you figure out how to opt yourself out, after your child out, out of sex ed, this stuff is coming at them everywhere. It's coming at them in their annual sex <laughs> youth survey um, that are, is pushed on all the kids. Um, it's coming at them in other parts of the culture, which I'm gonna talk, and my good friend, Mary, Mary Hassan says, and I quote you all the time, they're swimming in it. 
They're swimming in it. The Southern Law Poverty Law Center pushes public schools to teach queer history. Yes, this anti-Christian hate profiteer has gotten into the game with a curriculum they call teaching tolerance. And they teach history teachers how to put a queer spin on every major event in American history. Um, and these guys have so much money that they can afford to mail their slick best practices guide to every school principal in the nation, every school principal in the nation, not district. And what does this guide do? The guide put, the, pushes schools to make their proms trans inclusive and to show them how to have a queer school culture. I'm gonna go over this a little fast because I've got so much. Uh, and I'm gonna run out of time. Uh, this is an example of um, how to have a queer school culture. LGBTQ plus equity week, which happens in October. It might be happening right now in your public schools in October. This week is celebrated across the country. Um, odds are parents have no idea, no idea that this is happening. This particular mur uh, picture is a mural from a website from a school in Illinois who's proud of this. And they're boasting on their website that kindergartners get transgender story time and first graders make pride flags and practice gender fluid pronouns. Uh, the great group Mission America has found over 15 different sex propaganda events that they've found on public school calendars across the country. As you can see, there are celebrations in almost every month of the school year. National Coming Out Day, Transgender Awareness Week, an entire month de dedicated to LGBTQ pride. They're swimming in it. But the real game changer, the thing that finally got my attention, is the total embrace of the radical anti-science proposition that biological sex is meaningless. The transgender movement wants to radically change society's understanding of the human person, and as with any revolution, the softest target always, always, is children. Transgender ideology teaches children they can be born in the wrong body. That's a terrifying message, and of course, it's a lie. And my hat's off to the American College of Pediatricians who publicly and constantly call it psychological child abuse. Now public school systems like Fairfax County and many, many, many others are scrubbing the words male and female from lessons on human sexuality and replacing it with fake science propaganda like the term sex assigned at birth, which teaches kids that their true sex can be different than their bodily sex. Here's the, our crowd in Fairfax, the night the school board voted in this radical anti-science language against overwhelming opposition by the citizens of Fairfax County. They didn't care. The truth is, every child is born in exactly the right body. That's our message. It's good to, this is a good one to commit to memory. Every child is born in exactly the right body. And as Dr. Critella says so often, actually I don't think she said it last night, but our bodies declare our sex. They're designed to play one bi biological role in reproduction or the other. There are just two roles in human reproduction, two sexes. Even people who suffer from disorders of sexual development, wrongly, politically called intersex, they don't present a third sex. It's medically and scientifically impossible to change your sex because every nucleated cell of your body has a copy of your sex chromosomes. We have about 100 million of those, and that means you can't change your sex. That means that every internal organ in our body is either male or female. That includes our brains. There's no such thing as a female brain in a male body. That's just propaganda. 
Here's some more propaganda. This is from the anti-Christian human rights campaign, the largest, richest transgender lobby in the world. They train teachers to use psychological reconditioning techniques on the youngest children to cause them to question their sex. Here's another piece of propaganda from the National Education Association, the largest teacher lobby in the nation. This poster is on many, many classroom walls. It says, this is a safe and affirming space for transgender students and their allies. Bully free starts with me. The message is crystal clear. Either you affirm the lie that some kids are born in the wrong body, or you're a bully. A word about the bathroom wars. It isn't about bathrooms, really. It's about power and politics. Activists claim that students are being harassed and discriminated because they can't use the bathroom that matches their identity. Oh, just let the little child go to the bathroom, you mean Christians. But rather than address each case individually, accommodating each person like our previous speakers talked about in ways that would respect the rights of all kids, no, they demand system-wide changes. The only way to create a safe environment, they say, the safety thing, I want to explore that whole. The only way to create a safe environment is to make system-wide changes that include born in the wrong body lessons, forced use of false pronouns, school-wide affirmation of a student's or teacher's transgender identity, opening all private spaces and sports teams to the opposite sex. Now, all of these so-called solutions are fraught with problems. Some of them are unconstitutional. Born in the wrong body is a lie. Teaching children they can be born in the wrong body is child abuse. Forced speech, this is a funny slide, but forced speech is really serious. Not only is coerced speech a violation of the First Amendment to the Constitution, but it's a recognized form of psychological manipulation. So says my friend, Soviet propaganda expert, Stella Morbito. Stella explains that children are particularly easy to manipulate in this way. Why? Because they know that failure to conform to this forced speech threatens, social isolation, th threatens them with social isolation, which is uncomfortable for anyone, but utterly terrifying for a child in a school system. And of course, this manipulation is not limited to students. Now, many of you may have heard recently about the Loudoun County teacher, Tanner Cross, who uh, was refused to lie to students about biological sex. He has actually been able to keep his job. He's still fighting. But this nice man is Peter Vlaming, French teacher in a rural county in Virginia, who was fired for refusing to use false pronouns. Mr. Vlaming explains that after Christmas break, one of his students came back, a girl student, and she said, I now identify as a boy, and this is my new name. So Mr. Vlaming explained to the school that as a Christian, he believes God made humans male and female, and that a girl can't become a boy. He told the school that he was willing to use the child's new masculine name, but that he could not use a false pronoun. He would need to avoid using pronouns altogether because to use a false pronoun was to deny God's purposeful design and indeed to deny God himself, and that he couldn't do. He was fired by unanimous vote of the school board. In 2019, he sued the board and his case is still underway. He's seeking a million dollars in damages and I say he should have gone for 10. Each one of these sweeping changes demanded by the transgender movement is fraught with problems, but there's one fund fundamental problem underlying all of them. 
They ignore the fact that the vast majority of children who experience sex confusion will grow out of it. According to the American Psychological Association, up to 98% of boys and up to 88% of girls who experience sex confusion grow out of it after naturally passing through puberty. So when a child expresses sex confusion, the adults around him have a choice of how to respond. Watchful waiting or affirmation and transition are the two competing approaches. Watchful waiting acknowledges the reality of the child's suffering, but remembers that the vast majority of children will grow out of it naturally. Trans activists call this approach bigoted. They demand affirmation and transition. Affirmation requires that all the adults around the child lie to the child, telling them they really are the opposite sex. Yes, you're in the wrong body, honey. Using opposite sex names and pronouns, allowing or even encouraging female dress and makeup for boys, cropped hair and breast binders for girls. This is social transition and that is followed by hormonal transition, which you heard about from Dr. Critella and puberty blockers and so forth. Cross-sex hormones come next. Um, and the final, I won't, the final um, step is surgical transition, which is now called by the Orwellian term, surgical affirmation in which healthy organs are cut off. Now, all of this, every bit of it, is dangerous to children. Dr. Cortella covered it. I'll just talk about a couple of highlights. Of course, puberty blockers are still today an off-label use for sex transition. They haven't been tested or approved by the FBA for this use. The changes in cross-sex hormones, she mentioned it, stunting growth, uh, bone loss. Um, think about my daughter, Gigi, is 12. She just grew literally like four inches in the last year. She's, she's taller than me now as of two days ago, and she's very proud of that. So that enormous growth spurt that kids go through in puberty, they won't have that if they're on these drugs. And that they will never regain. That time is gone. So if you have ever seen poor souls who identify as trans and they look a little bit short, that means that they got their intervention really early. It's gruesome. Memory loss, I have a friend, a cancer survivor, who is on, um, uh, is on some of these cross-sex hormone drugs that can be used in other um, circumstances. And he says that he, he has memory problems now. Think about what these drugs do to the developing child's brain. It's, it's, it's horrible. Breast binders can crack ribs, phalloplasties can cause women to have to urinate, urinate through their anuses. Vaginoplasty creates an open wound that's never allowed to heal. Okay, so real quick, consider what is happening in schools. In schools, children are cavalierly encouraged to explore alternative identities, to reject their own bodies. And then when they try on a new identity, everyone in their school environment is required to lie to them and say, yes, this is the real you. What chance does that child have to embrace his or her true biology. What chance? What chance does that child have? Aren't we, aren't they trapping him in the wrong transgendered body? And parents, parents who send their kids to public schools who are doing this, and they're all gonna be doing it soon, have to be prepared for the day when their child comes to them and says, 
Why didn't you protect me? I was too young to know. I wasn't strong enough. Where were you? Okay, I gotta move on. The night after the Fairfax County School Board scrubbed the terms male and female from our curriculum, the trans pressure group called GLSEN, which is disgusting, crowed to the Washington Post that public schools in California and Virginia are their laboratories for transgender policies. What does that make the students? Okay, and I wanna spend a quick, <laughs> a few moments on another group that's being bullied and manipulated, and that is the parents. And Dr. Cretella, I knew there was gonna be some overlap, but some of this is bears repeating. Parents are told they must affirm their, checks, their children's sex confusion no matter what. No matter that the science tells us that they'll likely grow out of it. Last year, the Democrat-controlled legislature in Virginia passed a law mandating transgender policies in every one of our schools. The model regulations tell school personnel that they should affirm a child's secret transgender identity at school without telling their parents. And, here's the language, get ready for this and report parents to Child Protective Services if they are not affirming of their child's new transgender identity. Here's the actual language, it's probably hard to read. School staff should be prepared to support the safety and welfare of transgender students when their families are not affirming. Whenever school personnel suspect that a student is at risk of abuse or neglect by their parent due to their transgender identity, they should report these concerns to Child Protective Services immediately. Well, what does not affirming mean? Not giving your son a dress? Not buying your daughter a breast binder? What does neglect mean? Not using your child's newly invented pronouns? The left is weaponizing every government agency within its power against parents because parents are the enemy and their number one agency are schools. Whenever they can, they are pushing parents to affirm, affirm, affirm because that's what a good parent does if you love your child. They push parents to put their kids on puberty blockers to buy them time. Have you heard that? To explore their true identity. But this is a cruel trick. A study out of Rehe University at Amsterdam, which followed gender dysphoric children who were socially affirmed as transgender and then put on puberty blockers, not even cross-sex hormones yet, so socially affirmed and put on puberty blockers, this study re revealed something horrifying. Not one child grew out of his sex confusion. Now remember, the APA says about dysphoric children, up to 98% of them will grow out of it. But this study suggests that when you socially affirm, which they're doing in schools, and uh, introduce puberty blockers, none of them ever grow out of it. So puberty blockers don't buy them time to choose their sex, it chooses it for them, yeah? Parents are being manipulated, and we have to remember they're suffering too. They're vulnerable too. And the bully's ultimate trump card is suicide. Parents are told they must do this or they will lose their child to suicide. Better to have a trans daughter than a dead son. But what does the evidence say? The only long-term follow-up study is from the Karolinska Institute in Sweden. Researchers looked at the suicide rate of post-op trans-identified people. 
So get this, post-op, they've had the surgeries, they've mutilated themselves, they've done it all. They, they identify with this new sex. And what they found was shocking. They found that the suicide rate remained at nearly 20 times higher than the average rate. So in other words, these poor souls did everything the trans bullies would have them do, even the, to the point of mutilating their bodies. And still, they're killing themselves at 20 times the, the average. And what does that mean? That means sex, sex change does not prevent suicide. And that's what Dr. Critella was telling us last night. If trans, okay, this is my conclusion. <laughs> if trans activists win, women and girls stand to lose the most. If men are allowed to identify as women, then woman has no meaning. That's why radical feminists are fighting the transgender movement. They call it the erasure of women. Um, I've never worked so closely with feminists and lesbians in my life. But we're friends, we're fighting this. And it's really, it's, it's been fab fabulous. Because we all believe that if we're not allowed to call someone a pregnant woman, if we have to say pregnant person, birthing person, in the words of Biden's ridiculous plan, then we're literally erasing women. But it's more than that. The trans movement demands that biological males have access to all girls' private spaces, not just bathrooms, but dressing rooms and showers and hotel rooms and overnight school trips. And of course, there's no notice to parents because parents are the enemy. If girls are anxious about sharing these intimate spaces with males, if they feel intimidated or uncomfortable, they have no recourse. To object is to be labeled a bigot. What about girls who are sexual survivors? This is a population, sadly, that far exceeds the population of boys who want to identify as girls. These were their safe spaces, and they're now being taken away in the name of inclusion and compassion. This is my friend, Natasha Grover, at a Loudoun County School Board meeting. Look at those good dads there, too, Pat. Uh, this is right before Biden, Biden's henchmen uh, Attorney General Merrick issued his uh, war on parents. And of course, you've been hearing what's happening in Loudoun. Loudoun, it's, it's horrific. Um, so uh, we all were at a school board meeting on June 22nd after they had reduced the amount of time that people could speak to well, like 30, 60 seconds or something. They want to shut us up altogether. Um, and they um, escorted an angry dad out. He, they didn't let him speak. Um, and it turns out, and this is a meeting they were mocking, mocking parents for protesting these transgender mandates, and now we learn that the dad in line was going to accuse the school of covering up the rape of his daughter in a school bathroom, forcible sodomy by a boy in a skirt, okay? The facts about this incident are still coming out, but it's clear that the school board covered it up, and yesterday the chief evil school board member, Beth Bartz, resigned. So, good. Good, we, we want them all. Okay, so who's going to win the, the, the sports trophies if the taller, stronger males are allowed to compete against females? Who's gonna get the scholarships? The bullies don't care. This is Rachel McKinnon. He steals gold medals in women's cycling championships. He calls himself a human rights crusader and he calls his critics transphobic bigots. This is Hannah Mouncey, a six foot, six foot three inch, 220 pound giant who plays women's rugby and breaks women's legs in the process. Transgenderism is a total fraud. 
It wraps itself in fake science and scorns all true science that doesn't further its political goals. Biology is bigotry. It speaks of safe environments and then forces open the private spaces of women and girls to biological males, including predators, and exposes them to injury on the sports field. It calls for non-discrimination and then discriminates against women and girls by robbing them of sports victories, scholarships, careers. It calls itself progressive, but then acts like a retrogressive tyrant, especially when it comes to freedom of speech. And worst of all, it preaches tolerance and acceptance and then tells kids to reject their own bodies, even to the point of self-mutilation. Today's sex ed is anti-human. It goes against what's best for the human person. Children's, children deserve so much better. Parents deserve respect. Now, ironically, in most states, the teaching of sex ed in public schools is not required. It is purely optional. School districts can decide to include it or exclude it from their curriculum. I don't know what the case is in Ohio. So isn't this the best answer of all? Just stop. Stop doing this to kids. Stop ducking and dodging and lying to parents. Just stop. But they won't stop because sex ed isn't about sex ed anymore. It's about social change. It's about indoctrination. It's about politics and power. There's no way the left is going to give all that up. So we have to be prepared to take it through school board elections, county council elections, and through putting people in the state legislature who will stop sex ed in schools, or better yet, who will enact true universal school choice, right? The Justice Department's declaration of war on parents might just be a gift from heaven. I do believe it will mark the beginning of the end of the leftist public school monopoly and the beginning of the march to universal school choice where our tax dollars will follow our children as they exit the public schools and enter private or religious schools of our choice to teach the children in the way we would have them learn. So power to the parents starts right now. Thank you. Mm -hmm.